everybody. Welcome to the Insufferable Bastards. My name is Carlos Danger for the purposes of this broadcast, and I'm joined by my lifelong friend, Mr. Brian Spears. Hello, Brian. Hello, hello. So if you're listening to us for the first time, and you're, I mean, we have 13 listeners a week. It never really grows. <laughs> I'm a local news reporter in Derby, Connecticut. Brian is a special effects movie, TV, makeup artist, and we've known each other forever. So on this episode, we're actually going to dip back into our personal archives. We're doing this on Zoom, and I'm just staring at Brian because we're having terrible... Brian's, Brian's got some internet issues, I but have he's not, still there. I have not frozen up in this you got to keep blinking because all, all right, of a sudden all right. I'm like, oh, God, Brian's not there. Oh, God, Brian's not there. But anyway, we're going we're to uh, take a deep dive into our own personal history by talking about Mr. Andrew Yang for a little bit. This is a very different episode of insufferable bastards we're not going to complain about marvel movies i mean we'll probably i'm mean, actually we'll probably still complain somehow but it's not specifically about movies or tv brian and i both went to school with dandy yang as we knew him back in the day and brian you were you were like in a second grade class right you remember him i do remember him i sat next to him and he used to draw little pictures on graph paper and he showed me what he was doing and we would do like re war reenactment scenes like it would make cliffs and little crazy, little, little tiny war, uh, war scenes. And I ripped them off. I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to learn how to do that. Shane Gillis was on the Andrew Yang podcast. Shane Gillis was the guy who got SNL a couple of years back. And then somebody uh, on Twitter posted uh, a podcast appearance he had made where he said he was making jokes, uh, racial jokes about uh, Asian people. And he, so he, he learned, he got the SNL gig and then within 24 hours he was fired. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's the best thing that ever happened to that guy because he made the rounds on podcasts yep. and he's, he's a YouTube comedian guy. And I, I would, I think it's safe to say he's bigger now than he probably would have been on Saturday night live. And so he was, he was demonized and, and, and canceled. And, and what's interesting is the way he handled all that and the way he talks about it. At least he talked about it with Yang is that he's like, yeah, you know, I deserved it. I get it. I get, I get what people were saying, but anyway, but Brian and I, and one thing he said in this podcast was basically that the town, I mean, I'm doing a little clickbaity here, kind of insinuated that the town Brian and I grew up in with Andrew Yang is more racist, than insinuated or was racist. I that I look at it, he, he totally, and again, we're two white guys talking about this. So, so, and then the other thing we're going to do is because Brian and I are also lifelong Howard Stern fans. I thought Shuli, the Shuli show, Shuli was a, Shuli was a former Howard Stern staffer. My least favorite staff member since there's a couple new ones now, but, oh, I hated Shuli. And I, I mean, you, you're, I'll give you way more credit that you even listen now. I gave him like a week. Like when he first started, because I was hoping he'd open up. I guess you, you'll you'll play a clip. He too. has. I think he has. I know. I get you because I. Yeah, always but hated. I've given up. You know what I mean? Because like he didn't do it in the first week. You know what I mean? Like he didn't. Like well, I, he he said. I thought he he said some stuff about Stern, which and again, Brian and I are both forty eight. Because I was like, it really it really didn't get any attention because yeah. no one cares anymore. Because no it's yeah. like. The, the people that listen to podcasts and, and, you know, entertainment podcasts and comedy podcasts are probably a lot younger than us. Or if they're if they're our age, they're compound media guys. We're going to talk or we're going to hear this interview. It's from Forward with Andrew Yang. 
and it's titled, this is from YouTube, Andrew Yang sits down with comedian Shane Gillis. And in this part of the interview, Andrew, or Andy, as we know him, starts talking with Shane about where they both grew up. Yeah. Did I freeze? Uh, no, I don't. I can't see you. I'm watching the video. Oh, I, I heard you say yes, video. definitely. Oh, f all right. So here is Andy Yang talking about Somers, New York, where Brian and I grew up with Andy. You grew up in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yeah. Were there a lot of Asians around where you grew no. up? No. Like, do you remember any in your school? Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, so I went to a school like that where I was one of the couple. <laughs> like yeah. there, there was like one per year. Yeah. So growing up in that environment for me, and this was, I'm older than you, so this was like the 80s when there were only like three TV networks and, and the rest of it. So there were very, very few images of Asians of any kind. Like the most prominent ones that anyone would know would be Bruce Lee. Jackie Chan wasn't even a thing at yeah. that point. This was like pre-Rumble in the Bronx. I remember when Rumble in the Bronx came out. Went to a movie theater and I was like, you know, Jackie Chan's made it to the States. So uh, I got uh, teased about being Asian like all the time as a kid. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, it was difficult. Uh, and I'd skipped a grade, so I was like scrawny and smaller. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, he's talking about, again, Somers, New York. Now, I didn't know Andy skipped a grade. I don't remember that. I thought we were, we we're all the same age. I mean, so far, I can't disagree with anything he said. It was definitely nah. where we grew up in Somers, New York at the time, you know, 80s and 90s. It was about 15,000 people. It was, you know, at the top of, of northern Westchester County, about 60 miles due north of New York City. I, it, it wasn't racially diverse whatsoever. He is 100%. It was all white. You could count on one hand the number of blacks or Asians or people, uh, you know, from Indian descent. You Anyone could, you could of name color. Them. You could name yeah. them in yeah. each grade. So he's, he's absolutely right there. I don't remember Andy. I mean, I remember Andy in, in our younger days. I don't have any specific examples, but I just remember Andy. I mean, you're talking about him in second grade. I always remember he was extremely smart. I don't remember him specifically getting picked on, but I'm sure it happened because it, it was sort of a brutal time. I got picked on all the time. I think, you, you know, a lot of you got picked on all the time back then. But I could imagine he did definitely, you know, took a more of a brunt because of being different. But being so different. Yeah. All right. Let's go into this a little more, though. And, and so there was like a lot of this like um, anger that built up in me, honestly. The, so the, the thing that happened to me growing up was like I thought to myself, OK, I can be the Chinese guy that takes it or I can be the Chinese guy that fucking fights over it. Yeah. And so I chose the latter and I lost most all of those fights because I was the scrawny yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian guy. Um, but the the teachers and administrators tended to punish whoever I was fighting with because they just assumed that like oh it must be the other kids' fault. Yeah. I don't remember Andy uh getting into fights, but I do remember like uh, you know, fighting it was I don't know. My kid's in seventh grade, he's never been in a fist fight. Well, I'm saying there was But I remember being punched in the face and punching yes. people in the face. And I remember bullying was much more brutal. Like like it wasn't name calling. It was you're getting pushed. You're getting physically attacked, yeah. And also it wasn't, you know, 
you were everything was said to you. You know what I mean? Because I, I mean, listen, I'm sure I've I've been picked on. I'm sure I picked on people. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm guilty of all of it, but also probably because I was a smaller kid, you know, and you know, I didn't really play sports either. wasn't good in sports, so I was made fun of. You know, I, even on teams I was on. You know what I mean? But one thing I, I, I understand he says that he was a fighter, and I get it. I think we all were back then, but I know we experienced a lot more. But one thing about Andy, I thought he was more popular. Like he was a popular kid to me. Well, I, I think he's talking about, from my memory, in the younger grades, he was he was a geek. Okay. He was a really smart kid. And but he played sports. He was one of those kids. See, I remember him being, like, not as, if you're going to say nerdy or geeky, not as nerdy as geek. Like, I, I, I won't, but I could name other kids that I think were yeah, it was a long time more. ago. Just, that's just my memory. But I do, I do concur that, like, by the time we got into high school... He had gone through some type of transformation, it seemed to me, where he's the guy you see now. He okay. like he, he was I mean, I Andy was always likable, but I remember when we got into high school, I mean the culture was changing then too. Not as yeah. not in the way it has now. Not in terms of political correctness or or just not being an a-hole all the time. That was all still very much in in vogue. But like the music was changing, the way people's people dressed was it was changing in the 90s when grunge came about and andy was like mr cool by then yeah he was just like he was a smart guy witty yeah he had a great sense of humor uh and that's what i remember him going from kind of a i remember him being like sort of a quiet geeky type to being the, the this cool dude also he, then he again it's just up... memory it's just memory but i know like in our high school newspaper which we we still have copies yeah. of you you and i we remarked on his intellect and how funny he was yes. in our school newspaper so i think that's and, confirmation and like and maybe i'm also giving him a a height, heightened project like the way i feel about him because he definitely grew up on the rich side of town if we if we grew up in the ghetto he grew up in a very well well like, yeah that's well that's to a whole do neighborhood that's a whole other thing yeah yeah no i and but i didn't know that at the time like i didn't realize well, you come on we knew that like we might I didn't not really. I, I didn't really know like the, the the difference in wealth. How I, I didn't realize it was as pronounced as it was. See, uh, I, I, I know now. When I read back, I'm like, wait, Andy's father was like a scientist. I'm like, whoa, that's my dad was a cop. Yeah, yeah. My dad was an electrician, so I get it. Yeah, like my mom was disabled. I totally get that. Like there was uh, a massive difference. In, there was a massive class distinctions. And maybe you're right. Maybe Somers, it was New York growing up. Maybe it was high school where you'd go over to the other kids' houses and you'd be like, "Man, I don't want them coming over to my house." Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I never had I, anybody come over. I, I never went to a living room that you never used. You know what I mean? Like there would be living rooms that, like, you walk in there and you're, the, the kid would be like, "Get out of that living room! Get out of that right. that dining room!" Like, you, it is. It use, is. A, yeah, it's it's funny because we're the two white guys, but it, to us it is a, a nuance that Andy misses when he's recalling his childhood. Like, yeah, it was you were there was there was rich, and then there wasn't you know there was West Somers Park and and all yeah. those places that were new housing because IBM and the, the whole other thing about like where we grew up, it was a sleepy town, and it, you know the two lake communities were were these tiny homes, and then like IBM. Uh, opened up in town and PepsiCo had its headquarters there for a long time. Yes. And you had this whole influx of, of wealth. I didn't really know that at the time. But anyway, here, back to Andy. 
And it actually got to a point sometimes when it was not the other kid's fault. Nice. <laughs> like sometimes I would, I would just be like. You were just uh, like, it's time to fight. <laughs> or yeah, it's like, or I would be, it was not, I mean, I'm not happy or proud of it. But part of it is that I was very conscious of being one of the only Asian kids growing up. Um, it gave me a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And then uh, I went to uh, both a prep school, in my case, and a college that had a much higher, like, you know, number of Asians. Yeah, so he did. He left our yeah. predominantly white, little violent uh, public school in a wealthy town, with, but with a mix of, of, uh, of economies there, I guess. And, but overall, and- like, you know, the, the overall, the average salary was, was, was darn high. Like that, but Asian was different though. Like there yeah. was, you could count. There was, there was like two Asian kids uh, in our grade. So it had to be, I never thought though. I never, ever thought like growing up, like, oh yeah, it's gotta be. And there was definitely racial, I mean, racial humor and racial insults yes. were definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we can't say here. Sit thousands here say, of times yeah. a day. That's yeah. all it was. Higher than normal. And you live in Queens now, right? Yeah. Which is. Like, I mean, it's, it's very pretty, diverse. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, like literally, diverse. literally where you live might be the most diverse place in yeah, the entire country. It's crazy. So I've got two boys who are nine and six. And sometimes I look at them to try and figure out what their experience is like and how similar or dissimilar it is to mine. And it turns out it's completely dissimilar. Uh, like they don't seem conscious of their race in the least. Yeah. My per- perception or response to it has evolved over my lifetime. Um, but also, like, the times have changed a, a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, times might have even changed since um, since 2019 when we're having this conversation. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. 2020 when COVID happened, then, like, anti-Asian stuff did start getting more, like, dark and yeah. venomous and uh, even violent in some cases. Um, you know, like, like, here in New York where I, I've, I've been most of the time, you did have like, a different energy. It's like the first time in my life where I felt like uh, like being Asian actually made you more of a target uh, in, yeah. in, for, more, for more than just like, you know, snide comments or whatever the heck. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Asian women in particular who literally try and make themselves look less Asian when they leave the house. Jeez. They're like putting on sunglasses and like wrapping themselves. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really dark. Yeah. It's, it's pretty disgusting. Growing up Asian in this country, like you don't expect, at least the way I grew up, like you don't expect people not to see that you're Asian because it's like obvious. Yeah. And you don't even expect necessarily for them to not make certain associations. Like I'm not someone who gets hyper reactive to people's statements in large part because I grew up in an environment where people were just saying shit to each other all the time. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, I, I, he's, he's hitting. I agree. This is what, yeah, that's where we grew up. And I, I think about the kids I grew up with. And Hey! I don't know if he's, he's not thinking of us particularly because we're nobodies, but or we were nobodies then too. Like, would I run to them now and be like, you're racist? Be like, no, there were, would we, would friends give each other shit about, you know, something about their background or identity uh, all the time? Yeah, it makes sense. If you've been around white dudes talking shit, You've heard it. I don't know. I guess that's what you're you're trying to say, right? A little bit. It's like you're a little more accustomed to it than because I remember. I remember my high school. Yeah, we did almost no minorities, but when they were people, I mean, people definitely said shit. And I don't think it. It sounds ridiculous, but it wasn't like. Though I think what Andy is saying there is that everybody gave each other. Yes. He was subjected I... to much more because it was ninety nine percent white people saying 
uh, Asian stuff to him. But the white but people like, were saying he probably it to called white me, a, too. Uh, you know, a Mick at one point. You know, yes. uh, yeah. and, that, and that would happen. Like he, everybody would tear each other down for for any reason. But anyway, th- I mean, that's pretty much the extent of the clip. And I think what's interesting about this whole podcast interview between Shane Gillis, the comedian, and Andrew Yang, the politician, is that who ran for president and ran unsuccessfully mayor of New York mayor, City. Yeah. Is that Yang got himself into trouble because when Gillis, all that stuff dropped about all the anti-Asian stuff he had said in a podcast. And it was pretty gross. It definitely wasn't funny. Like you go back and you can go back and see it. It's kind of like, what, dude? But anyway, Yang was like, hey, people make mistakes. I don't think people should lose their job over this particular thing. And then he got thrown into the fryer for yeah. saying that. And it is interesting to hear him. Well, yeah, you know, here's a guy we grew up with and we're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of identify with with what he's saying, which is, by the way, not to excuse or uh, some way condone the way we grew up. Like, I don't think, you know, the things that we said to each other or the things that people said to Andy, I don't teach my kids that, you know, that's not no, that's not no, what they're doing. No. And I'm not blaming my parents, but it's just, no, like, you no, know, we all know, like, oh, that's kind of that's not. That's not cool to keep somebody down, even though maybe you, you're joking you around. You just hope to grow you're up. Keeping your, you're keeping your, your, your foot on somebody's neck by constantly bringing up stuff like that. But I mean, it's I don't know. Think, and Brian's the one who found this. You're, you're the one I should say yeah, that, like that, I, that grabbed this. I was on a, a comedy kick and this came up and I was like, whoa, just, you know, Andy. And again, I watched. I really reached out when he talked about because he doesn't he never mentioned Somers. No, it's like not in any of his bios. Somers High School. Yeah. He'll say upstate like he was born in like, I don't know, Ithaca or Schenectady or something like that. But yeah, he's he's kind of he 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 has abandoned his so and he was there for a long time. We're talking a very what, long time. Like ten years, you know, second or whatever that is, nine years, second grade through eleventh grade, something like he that. Had second a, grade through tenth grade. He had an older brother that went all like graduated from the high school. He was I think maybe a senior or a junior when we were freshmen. Right. You know, so like, and again, I, you know, I think it's cool. Oh, wow. We knew somebody that ran for president. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of nostalgic in a way, but it was weird that he just never mentioned. And I totally get the prep school thing. He was going a different direction than all of us. He was well, a really smart kid. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know. And maybe this has been an interview. He's, I don't, I don't know much about Andy politically. Yeah. You know, I, I just remember him being a nice guy, a funny guy, and the guy you saw running for president, that was the guy I remember from high school. Okay. I, you know, he was just, he's a funny dude and, and a really smart dude. But uh, I assume, I, I you know, I didn't even know this. When, once he started running in, on our Facebook groups and like, you know, class of 92 type of stuff, I think him and a, then another girl uh, both left Somers right before graduation. And I think... I assume, and this is where I didn't realize at the time, but you know, if your parents are wealthy and they want yes. your 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 resume to look a certain way, well, they would pull you and put you into a a, a private school. I didn't even know that was happening back then because I yeah. was white trash. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, we, <laughs> that was like, never going to happen. Yeah, but we also, were not at those levels. Like my my guidance counselor just walked up to me and said, "I, I assume you're joining the Marines and blah blah." blah. I'm like, well, I didn't join the Marines. I'm a coward. You know, I'm not joining the Marines. Yeah. I'm going to go to college somewhere. And like, I just I just went to the first college. I was like, "Oh, they're still taking it." I just went to the first one that I could drive to. Hey man, I went to a college that I saw the ad in the back of a magazine. You know, entered, and that's where how I went to college. Yeah, but your yours had a specialty. I mean, I just I basically. 
went to a, 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 a quote unquote private my school, college, my, my which I should have just went to the local community college. I wasted my, my parents' al- money. Alma mater no longer exists, and I guess got sued for scamming a million, like trillion. they did. Oh yeah, yeah, the art institutes. Oh, that that's program, a yeah. Look it up, man. It, like it went down in flames. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. But now you had a real college experience. I kind of didn't. But anyway, it's just us reaching back. I don't know if this is interesting to anybody, but it's just two guys who knew Andy Yang a thousand years ago. I mean, you know, acquaintance. We aren't friends. I, again, I was never friendly with, you know, not, you know, not friends with them. But, you know, again, I second grade. You know what I mean? That's what, what I remember them. And I do remember. But again. We never shared a class after like half of second grade. He was way too smart. So going from Andy Yang to Shuli. (laughs) Shalom, Shuli. And I get it. Like you were saying earlier, you could never stand Shuli. I could never stand Shuli. I'll never forget going to the Killers of Comedy with Bob, not with Bob Levy, Bob Levy and whoever else was on that stand-up comedy bill. And you say Shuli got heckled and they walked out. Well, what happened was, okay, so you... Wait, that's what I'm trying to get to. We go to this venue for comedy, and it was like, again, it was a municipal building. It wasn't a good place for comedy. But High Pitch Eric's in the audience, and, the, you know, the audience is is raring to go. You know, the, the vibe is like madness, right? It's the Howard Stern audience to see Bob Levy, for God's sakes. And Shuley, excuse me, I think he was the opener. He might not have been. But he comes out there, and he's like, Listen, if any of you get out of hand, if any or uh, two, you know, we're here to, this is a show. You sit there. He didn't say this exactly, but he's like, sit there, shut up, or you'll be thrown out. We'll bring you, you'll, you're done. And on with the show. And I was just like, that's, wow, this is not what I thought the killers of comedy would be. Because, I mean, I, and if, if I remember correctly, Sal actually opened, who is not a stand-up comedian. So I just got offended by the fact you have this hack comedian who's not even a stand-up, Sal, get up there and tell these awful jokes, but yet we're not, nobody can scream anything. And at the yeah. time it was like, what was it? Four, three, one, war, one, yeah, three, yeah. four, uh, three, one, four, uh, one, four, yeah, three, one, four, three, yeah. One, one four, four three. three, you know, and you couldn't, it was kind of, he stifled. Also, Sal's way funnier than Shuli. I mean, Shuli to me is not never a stand-up comedian. Holy well, cow! And I get that. I get that because I never. I mean, I I, I think I canceled my serious subscription sometime after Artie left. You know, just had to cut cut that out of the uh, the monthly bills. But I don't. You know, Shuli was like a. He was sort of on the Howard One Hundred News team. You know, he wasn't Penny yeah. Crone. Uh, and then he was like sort of a Beetlejuice handler. He was a whack pack handler and he would hang out with wonder. What's her name? Wonder dog, wonder woman, whatever. One, uh, underdog lady. Under, underdog. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I, I was kind of like, eh, surely I didn't really like him. And I didn't listen to him on Jay Thomas or anything like that. Cause I never listened to Jay Thomas, but I gotta say, I am a, I am a huge fan of his podcast. Like I think, and, and well, let's and also I'll just throw this out there. You know, Radio Gunk is the, I mean, it's the it's the biggest Howard Stern. Yeah, I related, know of it. Yes, related yes. podcast out there. Now they're Howard Stern fans who, like the rest of us, are tearing their hair out over what the show's become. So they tend to, to bash it. They uh, uh, Monique hates Shuli, like just hates. Okay. I even put something on Twitter. I was like, you know what? I love Shuli, and she's she. It's like we can't be friends, <laughs> you know. But I was of that camp. I was of your camp. But I think there's just something about Shuli, and particularly 
in recent weeks when he's talking about stuttering John, right? He does this thing called Uncle Rico, and he plays clips of the Stuttering John podcast. And, you know, I hate this term, but he roasts Stuttering John. But to me, he does it in a way, I mean, you know, they were both worked on that same show, so it's like that thing where, like, don't call my sister fat, only I can call my sister yeah, fat. Yeah. I do feel like his takedowns of John, they're they're funny. They're not, they don't strike me as overly vicious. Okay. And there's something, I just think Shuley's a good podcaster. I think he's, like, a good comedian. And in that, and now that he's in his element on his own, I think the Stern show is holding him back all these years. I mean, it's been, I, I never would have listened to the Shuley podcast had he not been on Stern. But I really think he's he was an unused talent on the Stern show, or maybe he was making contributions that we're just not aware of in terms of writing jokes. And I mean, maybe, but I, I, I mean, listen, I, I know the Stuttering John that we hear of today is a joke. You know what I mean? It's almost it's sad. I wish the guy yes. would go away. Um, but there's no way. Like Shuli has no talent in my mind. Then, like, listen, I'm no, I'm you not gotta listen to it. Come on, you no, you can't say I'll, that. I'll, I'll give the pod, oh, listen, I'll give the podcast a chance, but like, when it comes to like, like, he shouldn't even be mentioning John's name because John is like stern royalty in my mind. Like, I but, get it, like, he's a, he's a joke now, but but also, like, stuttering John went after Shuli pretty hard when Shuli yeah, was still on the he did this yeah. thing where he showed up at, he when, showed they up at when they were in when they were in LA and everything, but but here's the other thing they're not allowed to talk. You right, know, but Shuli's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then John kind of Shuli was friends with him too. You know, well, and that's like what that, John says, though. That's what John. I mean, one thing about stuttering John, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's sad. And you know, I we got roasted by who were these podcasts for, like we are right now, just talking yeah. out of our butts about something we really don't know anything about and just making assumptions. And that caused me to like. Since then, I've all I listened to them pretty religiously. Okay. Uh, twice a week now and you know it's funny like they they kind of but at the same time i feel like how much can you talk about i just i, I feel bad for john at this point when i yeah. listen to who are these podcasts and they they it's not like i mean they're justifying what they're saying oh they're totally you know, justified but like, he's but also horrible. yeah it's kind of like man it's week after week of just like, of just tearing this poor guy down watch uh but Shuli, Shuli, though, I think, I don't know. Shuli's, a, I, I, I feel like Shuli's just a quarter turn to the left or right where I could accept. Shuli, I don't, I feel bad for John after each episode of Who Are These Podcasts because they're, well, my only so merciless issue with Shuli is you say you stopped, you said you stopped kind of after Artie. Mm -hmm. That's, Shuli became more of a presence after Artie. And I, you might feel the same way I feel if you paid more attention to those quote unquote if i had been years. there yeah and i missed were, i missed like the whole that brent guy from the bubba show yeah was, dude but it was just you could tell he was trying to get now maybe the stern show sh stifled him maybe they did but that was probably better for the stern show like like surely just everything anytime he was on you could see like oh it was like i'm gonna work in a joke you know he was gonna always working in a joke always working in something he he would go in and never leave you know he would try to stay as long as he could like, again, I was never a fan. There's a couple other guys on there right now that I'm just like, shoot me in the head when I hear them. And there is um, definitely a division among, 
I think the old school Stern fans, Shuli's presence on the show was polarizing among the fan base. You know, and, I don't know. I, I don't know if he was around. Was he on the show in like the Stern fan network era? I don't really. Oh remember yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. he was on there, and I don't also, know if he got like, bashed on that or not. He but. would get really like, you know, when people would call up and say he's a hack comedian, he would come in and get all mad. But like, he kind of was a hack comedian. He got really mad at Artie for calling him the <laughs> hack pack. Like, if you well, want to look but, that that show up on the. Uh, on the internet, I mean, Artie's high as hell, but it is, uh, and congratulations, Artie com- fin- uh, finished his uh, drug uh, Drug court, baby. Um, but the, like, he sounded like a two-year-old baby. Like, and that, that's a problem. Like, so when I did watch the show, I watched Julie's, like, first two weeks, and there wasn't enough salacious stuff for me. Well, like, he was doing I, yeah, Jeff, I Jeff think... the Drunk. He was doing, like, the voices he still did from the show. I think he was settling. He settled into something. Okay. Well, then maybe I should. Give so him let's a let's play this clip. Yeah, I would say, or even if you listen to him on who are these podcasts, and he's I definitely I just I, to me, surely sounds like now that I, like, and I'm not listening to every single two, episode from from start to finish, but I feel like. Shuli was sort of held hostage, and even in those, it, it seems like the first six months he was afraid to say anything about Stern. Yeah. He would just be like, "Yeah, Howard Stern." He spells his name H O W A R D. Like he wouldn't really give any insight to as to what it was like to be on that show. I think for for reasons I, I I'm not even going to begin to to speculate on, other than it, it has to be sort of a conditioning. I'm going to speculate. I'm going to. I said I'm not, but I'm going to. You got to be conditioned, and he kind of okay. talks about that in this interview because all right. After all that, so he has on uh, Mike Morse, who do, he does Miserable Men with, a stand-up comedian and an artist, dude. And for years, Mike Morse did a lot of song parodies for the Stern Show. Oh, a I lot. didn't know that. I'm yeah, Facebook yeah. friends with him. I, I didn't realize yeah, he was whole... he was a huge like contributor a lot during those Reverend Bob Levy, Artie Lang years. Oh, no kidding. He might even opened up. You might have even saw him with the uh, the maybe the, he was the comedy. There. Yeah, I might have had a couple in me, but. Uh, so they they're, they're doing this thing and they're, and they're just listening to an episode of the Stuttering John podcast and reacting to it, and Morse asks him a question: uh, If you if you could if you reached out to Howard Stern right now, do you think you could reach him? So that's basically setting up okay. this okay. Uh, this clip. And and I'm gonna let it's gonna start before that. You're gonna hear Stuttering John first. Magazine. You. It ain't real. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I know the man. He's not running for. Oh anything. my god. Okay. The man was exactly the same as he was when Southern John was hanging around him. If you know the man, then you would know this man does not want to know you anymore, ever. (laughs) If you really knew the man, you know, I'm in the same goddamn boat. That's how I know. I actually knew. I knew this version of this man. So trust me, if I'm dead, you've been dead forever. Do you think if you reached out? In, in i'm trying to think of what the scenario would be would you would you be able to reach him at some point no there's no reaching him there's a there's a, a you know it's command. like driving into a military base in iraq right, <laughs> right you're right. not just fucking pulling up and parking next to the goddamn headquarters there's a couple of stops along the way right. interesting because ne- he did like you i i, I could tell that was I liked him too. I liked him too. Uh, yeah. the, the problem was when I started having, you know, to take orders from people that I wasn't crazy about and that had mm-hmm. no part in the success of that show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, throughout the years, no part in comedy, in radio in general. Uh, that to me was like, well, fuck, 
you know, this person's not letting me on the air because I'm not wearing a collared shirt. Huh? Come on, Brian. Has he won you over? No, because when he says comedy to me, I'm like, dude, you needed Beetlejuice to sell tickets. I look, look, I get it. And he's he's probably totally hey, right. Shuley was a Vegas comedian before he was on the Stern show. Darn well, it. He was a caller to the Stern show. And that got, you know, he lives he in a blackjack Vegas. dealer. Um, no, I think he put. Wait, come parts. on! All right, all right, put put your Shuli hate aside for a second there. Well, no, listen. Is I think everything he's, he's saying, saying I do understand what he's saying. Listen, I do think. Listen, I'm also still a subscriber. I'm still like I still listen when I you know when it's live. Um, I get it. It's not the same show, but I am also a little sick of every you know. Like it's not the same show at all. But he's it's given not. insight. It's, he's given insight. All right, so here 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 is more of Shuli. On a, on rip before we even had TV, <laughs> right, right. You know, so like that's the shit that for me. But at the end of the day, none of that happens without him giving a thumbs up for it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you guys so yeah, you know, it is what it is. But I I think if there was a chance, it's like he's realizing his dad's not Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it, and I you know, like I admire that he's one of the few that like left and did try to like go out on his own he's arguably you know. the most successful right i mean other i mean yeah, already was like, but already's had his problems like i have, hope he's over i i never liked that brent guy either i was not a fan Oof. of him and then he kind of went to a smutty way that I, I you know i don't even want to talk about like i'm not some puritan guy but like it's creepy it, yeah, yeah it was just creepy but We're you can't even look away here, here's the thing I'm, I'm afraid we can't mention brent and shuli in the same breath i mean no 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 but brent started a show pretty quick after and i was i at least i never even gave brent a chance i, at I don't least, think anybody listened i think it was on twitch or something like that yeah, I mean, well yeah I and then it would you know i'd find clips of it but like shuli i like actively like when he first started i was actively trying to give the guy a chance as of this and, recording his latest episode is with billy west shuli i'd like to just see him do his own thing and leave stern alone and I, you know, because hey, what I do you do, mean? You just I, I, I like but, that he's talking about what it was like to work there. I don't mind that. But I just even think like, like, if you're going to complain about it, like, I don't like like, oh, it's totally changed now. Well, of course it is. It was. Totally but he's given us an insight, like the fact you, you'd have they, they ask whether you were wearing or they'd inquire or give you crap for not wearing a collared shirt. That's fascinating yeah. to me. I want more of that. I know. But I mean, that's. I don't know. I feel like this is sort of a firsthand account and it's not, I mean, I interviewed already that time where I'm sure yeah. he was under the influence and he was kind of saying stuff about Marcy, but I like that we have a stone cold Shuli who's comfortable in front of a microphone saying this stuff. I find it very compelling. I can't get enough of this old Stern show, Stern show stuff too. I can't, I can listen to it all day. Me to get a hold of him. Things, things would be really good. Uh, I think. But, you know, when you work there, you couldn't get a hold of them. That's why that's why everybody went to the Christmas party, because it was the one shot you had all year long to look him in the eyes and and speak to him one on one mm -hmm. without a buffer zone there. Without, that's, a, that's fascinating. That, yeah. Uh, crazy. I, got I agree, Mike Morse. It's fascinating. Hit by a bike messenger one year crossing the street to go to the Christmas party. Wait, I, I stepped on him. But he said he got hit by a bike messenger while crossing the street to go to the Christmas party. That's surely saying that party. I had my AirPods in or whatever, and I, and all I it was like it's like a movie. I look and I just see a white light coming towards me, and it was the guy's light, and he fucking cracked me. Like he flew off the bike. I was down on the ground for sure. Had 
like uh, my bell rung. I don't know if I had a concussion, but my head was was pretty fucking spinning after that. Um, and and in, I, any normal person would have been like, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I got I got to go say hi to Howard. I, uh, yeah, I can't. <laughs> Like I should up, yeah, I should have with a concussion to drink and eat seafood <laughs> just so I could be like, hey, thanks for a great year, man. All right, talk to you later, dude. Yeah, that's it. I, I thought about this recently. I'm sorry to digress, but talking about the Christmas party, I only went to a couple of them, but yeah. the, the, the first one I went to, uh, I'm there with my wife. And this is Mike Morris, by the way. Wife at the time, and uh, we see Gar- Gary's there. So, so I was like, let me introduce you to Gary. So we go over, and he's by the buffet. And it was during the time they were talking about this on the air. He has shrimp, <laughs> and, he's, and he's eating the shrimp. And all I could see, it was like a movie where I'm just like focused on his mouth go, oh, with the shrimp. And, he's, and we're talking smile. I did. All right. So, yeah, that was getting off topic there. But still, I thought entertaining. Come on, Brian. Did I win you over? I mean, I'll give him another chance and maybe go back and look to see what I've missed over the last year. You got to go on Radio Gunk. See, uh, Monique from Radio Gunk will have you on, not me, because uh, you and her feel the same about Shuli. And again, it's it, I. My, my perception is strictly because of the content on the air. And listen, I totally agree with him when he argues about stuttering John when it like, cause I do, I do wish stuttering, you know, like, cause I loved stuttering, you know, he, like he was great when I was like in high school, like he was, you know, hero of the stupid. Yes. You know, there was something genius and funny about him. And then he got two in his head. I, you know, and then after the show and then after the tonight show, like, the story job we have now, I just feel really sad about. Well, and, and the thing I think you got to keep in mind about Stuttering John is that he's had some health, some major health issues. Yes. No. Yeah. You know, but and I don't think he's I, helping I do. himself either. Like, every no. time I see him, he's half of the bag. Well, exactly. Yeah, he's he has. I mean, he, he had like strict medical health His cat issues. just died. Right. Well, yeah, he's had strokes. Yeah. Right. At least one. And he's drinking like a fish, and yeah. so it just it it to me, I yeah, I, I really feel bad for him because, like you, I I, I love the guy growing up. You know? Also, I do think like Stuttering John did still have a place, even though he left. Like by him going on the air and bad mouthing and just Howard. being insane, yeah, and well, yeah. and that's the whole other thing because like I did listen to the Stuttering John podcast in its Royce days. I was, I mean, I was rooting for John when he yeah. confronted. Surely that time I was I was all on stuttering John's side, but then you go back and you listen to the, some of those episodes, or you see what he's sort of become. And actually, like some of the things that who were these podcasts point out that were going over my head, you know, stuttering John was accusing some of the staff members. Like the, I don't even want to say it because I think it's yeah. it's probably slander of cheating on their wives. Yes, yes, yes. And you look back, it's like, well, dude, he was just you know, I always thought Shuli was his source. Because he would make, I don't know if he well, was he, making he up stories. He would also allude to that. He, he would alluded to it, a yeah, few My times. mole, I have a mole there, and it's Shuli. Because Stuttering John got the whole uh, that meeting that Stern did to talk about the you know officially yeah. kill the old Stern and, and start the new. So, yeah. So because I know it is like there's two people you can bash on the internet. At least if you're our age, it's Brendan Schaub in, okay. in the comedy world. And stuttering John. Stuttering John. And wow. I'll just say, like, I think Schaub deserves it a little more because he's, you know, he's suing a tiny YouTuber. You know, this whole ridiculous thing. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that's my... I wanted to play those two clips. 
Andy Yang, who we went to high school with, and then Shuli, who we both despised on the Stern Show, but but I've come around and I'm a big fan. I'll 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 at least give him another listen because now I'm burning through so much uh, pod comedy podcasts that I'm getting burnt out of those and not giving much uh, trying to discover new things. All right, so that's the end of this episode. I think we've said everything that can be said about Andrew Yang growing up in Somers, New York, and Shuli and Stuttering John and Mr. Howard Stern. So for the purpose of this broadcast, my name is Carlos Danger, and that was Brian Spears. And we'll see you next time. Later. Later.